Section 19 of Antonia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Jessica Hendra. Antonia by George Sand. Translated by George Burnham Eaves. Section 19. If Julian had been a libertine, he could have adopted no better plan to arouse Madame d'Astrel's passion. The days succeeded one another, and no chance brought them face to face for an instant. And yet Julie, whether from excess of confidence or from heedlessness, lived much more in her garden than in her salon, and preferred a solitary stroll among the shrubbery to the conversation of her intimate friends. There were evenings when she denied herself to callers on the pretext of indisposition or weariness, but on those evenings she dressed none the less carefully, as if she expected some unusual visit. Then she would go to the farther end of the garden, hurry back in alarm at the faintest sound, then return to see what had frightened her, and fall into a sort of panic-stricken reverie when she found that everything was quiet and that she was really alone one day she received a declaration of love in well-turned language without a signature and without a private seal she was deeply offended at it thinking that julian had broken all his promises to her and saying to herself that it deserved no other treatment than cold disdain on the following day she discovered that this effusion came from the brother of one of her friends and her first impulse was one of joy no of course julian would not have written in such terms julian would not have written at all the letter which in the confusion of uncertainty had seemed to her not lacking in delicacy now seemed to be in the worst possible taste she tossed it scornfully into the fire but what if julian had written doubtless he knew how to write as well as talk and why did he not write julie had no sooner given way to this inward weakness than she was bitterly ashamed of it of what use are my strength and my common sense she said when my heart rushes outside of me thus to grasp an affection which eludes me upon my word it is only the indifference with which i am regarded which preserves me and yet the shame of that thought does not cure me am i guided by a spirit of contradiction it seemed to me at first that any advance on that young man's part would have disgusted me and that i should have repelled him proudly and lo and behold his resignation irritates me his silence distresses me and i am angry with him for thinking no more of me evidently my mind is badly diseased one day when she was at her perfumer's she met julian going out he had no right to bow to her in public and he pretended not to see her she found on the counter a very pretty fan which he had painted for his mother and had just brought to the shop to be made up she imagined that it was intended for her and made up her mind to refuse it however she awaited the little gift with intense impatience he will send it to me mysteriously she thought it will be an anonymous offering and in that case but the gift did not arrive so it was not for her after all what folly to think that he intended it for her julian was in love with some other woman some petty bourgeoisie or some society woman of easy morals perhaps an actress she did not sleep for two nights then she happened to see the fan in madame theory's hand and she breathed again 
In spite of her determination, she could not avoid speaking of Julian to his mother, and she resorted to every sort of detour to bring him into the conversation. She wished to know about the sort of life led by a young painter, of which she had no idea, and although she dreaded to learn some unpleasant or painful details, she continued to ask questions, at first concerning the tastes and habits of artists in general. Then, of a sudden, she asked, your son for example did he not lead a brilliant dissipated or at least an enjoyable life before the death of his father and your subsequent troubles my son has always been of a serious turn of mind replied madame andre and i must say that the young men of all ranks seem to me very different to-day from those whom i used to see in my youth my dear husband was a type of those men with fertile ingenious and easily impressed imaginations whose lives were filled with unexpected pleasures and whose aim seemed to be the enjoyment of everything that was agreeable rather than the ambitious pursuit of renown he painted chef d'oeuvre for a amusement and no anxieties ever disturbed his mind to-day the modern artists are tearing themselves to pieces to do better than their predecessors criticism has been invented monsieur diderot whom my husband used to see very often taught him to have a higher opinion of himself than he would have thought of doing and my little julian would listen to that great intellect devouring him with his searching inquisitive great eyes then monsieur diderot would say there's a child who has the sacred fire but my husband didn't want to have too many ideas put into his head he thought that the beautiful should be keenly felt and not studied overmuch was he right he sought to embellish the imagination not to overburden it julian was gentle and placid he read and mused a great deal his painting is more highly esteemed than his father's by genuine connoisseurs and when he is talking of art you can see that he understands everything but his work isn't so universally liked and he doesn't care at all for society his mind is full of all kinds of subjects of meditation and when i say to him you don't laugh you are not in good spirits you haven't the enthusiasm of your years he answers i am happy as i am i never feel the need of excitement there are so many things to think about these outpourings of madame theory's heart gradually revealed julian to madame d'estrel and the sort of instinctive respect which had taken her by surprise when she first saw him became a sort of awe which made her love him all the more it was no longer possible for her to look upon him as an inferior and yet the young artist was one of the class whom her associates referred to as those people she made an effort sometimes when she was talking with her friends to plead for the strong and the intelligent in whatever class they might be found her friends were sufficiently far advanced to reply to her you are a thousand times right birth is nothing merit alone is of consequence but those were simply maxims for the benefit of enlightened persons and nothing more the actual practice of equality had in no wise been incorporated in the national morals and the same persons were not at all backward a moment later in blaming the duke of so-and-so for fertilizing his estates with a plebeian dowry or princess blank for falling in love with a wretched adventurer to the point of wanting to marry him to the great scandal of virtuous folk a young woman unmarried or widowed might fall in love with a man of noble birth even though he were poor but if he had no birth it was a disgraceful infatuation an indecent attachment she sacrificed her principles to her passions marriage failed to justify her and she became an object of public contempt 
julie who had lived in the esteem and regard of her friends her only compensation for her unhappy youth had ice-cold shivers when she heard that sort of talk and if the object of her secret passion had chanced at such a moment to enter her little circle apparently so tolerant and good-humoured she would have been compelled to rise and say to him why have you come here monsieur but the little party separated at nine and ten minutes later julie was in the garden she gazed at the light in the pavilion twinkling like a green star through the foliage and she fancied that if julian should appear at a bend in the path she should not be able to fly throughout all this period of agitation on poor julie's part julian was almost calm his purpose was so upright so sincere that his mind had recovered its health sufficiently to deceive itself no he thought i did not lie to my mother what madame d'estrel inspires in me is a very strong lofty exquisitely delicate friendship but it is not as i thought at first a frantic and disastrous passion or if i had an attack of that fever at the beginning it disappeared on the day when i saw that simple kindly trustful woman close at hand when i heard her sweet chaste voice when i realized that she was an angel and that my aspirations were not worthy of her no no i am not in love according to the common understanding of the term i love with a full heart that is all and i will not allow my imagination to torment me the earth has hardly closed over my poor father i have not an hour to waste if i wish to save my mother no no i have no right i have no time to give way to passion marcel noticed julian's tranquillity and was unable to understand the mental perturbation which made itself manifest in madame d'estrel's behaviour he found her one day just returned from a visit to her father-in-law the marquis his life was thought to be no longer in danger and marcel might hope to talk with him again before long concerning his client's pecuniary embarrassments oh mon dieu you put yourself to very great trouble for me said julie but is it worth while i give you my word that i am quite willing to be poor i should probably be no more bored than i am now and yet you are beautifully arrayed and intending to pass the evening in company no i am going to change my dress i don't expect to go out with whom should i go out pray i am at odds with madame d'ancourt the only person to whose house i might venture to go alone in the evening as she was my schoolmate at the convent i am not intimate enough with any of the others to appear at their houses without a chaperone madame de mouges who might act in that capacity for me is indolent beyond words my cousin the presidente is not received in aristocratic society and the marquise de orbe is in the country really i am terribly bored monsieur Thierry. i am too much alone and there are days when i can do nothing having no heart for anything end of section nineteen